rather than saying this is my goal, trying to break down into how can I make it a repeatable, consistent routine. Aloha and welcome to the very first episode of the 2020 BRAD podcast. We're doing something a little bit differently, and I think this is going to try to be a consistent motif across the year. Uh, but rather than only featuring guests or only being monologue, I want to bring in my boy, Mauna Burgess, and, and just have some regular chats with him about what's going on in the studio, what's going on in daily life, the things that we're learning as BRAD Studio is developing. Um, and, and all of the other things that we're doing with social media. So I think it'll be a great conversation to finish out the podcast with. It, it makes sense to start it all with this. Um, and I hope you like this dialogue, this banter, because we, we talk about all kinds of stuff every day, all day. And it'd be just nice to capture all of that, to share that experience with you guys. All right. So we're starting with a new year with yes. a brand new podcast. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Holy makahiki ho. Can you explain that for other people who don't know what you just said? Oh, that's like a Hawaiian uh, Happy New Year. So Haole is happy, Makahiki is year, and Ho is new. So Happy New Year to everyone. <laughs> Mauna Burgess is our kind of all-around guy. He's our second shooter, camera assistant. He's like a big part of the creative team. He writes a lot of the stuff that we do. He's been a big part of our digital journey, um, learning all about Instagram and algorithms and trends and all kinds of stuff. So if there's anything that we've been doing this year uh, or last year in 2019, a big part of that was Mauna's help. So it'll be cool to get him chatting about some of that experience. Thank you. Thank you. Just happy to be on the journey. It's been a lot of fun. So the journey in 2020, I think, is going to be similar to what we've done in 2019, but it's also going to take a lot of different detours. Yeah. We've got a few big projects coming up. One big one called AO. Oh, yeah. That's a big one. Yeah. Big TV show. But I think 2019 was good because we got a lot of time to like work out a lot of the kinks, figure it out, get our processes down. And I think 2020, we're going to be able to hopefully, hopefully nail everything. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of work. Well, what was one of the biggest things you learned in 2019? that we're taking into the new year, um, whether it's a creative thing or a strategy thing? What's one of the things that you are taking into the new year? You know, I think strategy-wise, I, I listened on a podcast or something, but they were talking about how to achieve great things, and it was about consistency. You know, um, if you're trying to write a book, it's not going to write itself in a week. It's going to take months and months and months of writing it. And so he, this podcast talked about how you set a minimum goal and a maximum goal. So a lot of people for New Year's will want to journal. And so they'll journal for 20 minutes, half an hour on the first day and write a bunch of pages. They'll do it the next day. And then after about the third day, they're getting kind of tired of it and then just give up. And he said, I, I, I'll commit to write, writing one line, just one line and no more than five lines. So I don't go overboard on it. And if you just wrote one line, for 365 days, you'd have 365 lines of journaling, and that would be more valuable than three really big, really big journal entries. So I've been trying to look at a lot of all the processes that we're doing and all the things I'm trying to do in my own life and try to figure out how can I break it down to like the, 
the minimum viable product? What is the absolute minimum that I can do and still feel like I'm progressing on something? So mm. I'm trying to get my house fixed up. I'm trying to work on my health, work on learning Hawaiian language. And so rather than saying this is my goal, I'm trying to break down into how can I make it a repeatable, consistent routine? Mm. And so even for 2020, I think rather than thinking about goals that I want to do, like I, I have my goals. So one of them is, I want to reconnect with some of my friends. So I got like four friends that I've known since high school. And rather than just saying, hey, generally, who am, how am I going to do this? I, I just focused on one friend. I'm going to hang out with Brian once a month. I can do that. And even if it's just lunch or something, um, I can consistently do that. You know. And so I think I want to bring a lot of that into 2020s. Rather than thinking big goal, big goal, big goal, how can I create routines that over time over a year is going to lead to a big change in my life and so that's kind of where i'm at yeah i i can amen to that because i mean for me the word that's been resonating in my own heart and my brain lately is intentionality um mm -hmm. i feel like i tend to cloud my life with stuff or activities or responsibilities and it's so easy to add more things to the to-do list but without like an intention or an end um, goal or, or something that we're actually aiming to hit, the stuff just continues to pile on. Right, right. And the to-do lists can have to-do lists <laughs> that can have to-do lists. Um, and so it may feel like you're being productive, but really you're just trying to get yourself out of the to-do list right, routine. Right, right, right. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's a big part of it is actually setting these small goals, setting these maximum points as well with your, your bandwidth. Right. And, and hitting those every single day. I like that consistency. I think you, you touched on a really great point. It's like, what is that end goal? Because I think a lot of people use the, the duck on water. Mm -hmm. Like on the top is calm. On the bottom is churning yeah. like crazy. But if the duck would just take a second and look around and say, oh, if I just turn around, I can just swim right to the shore, <laughs> get out of this water. But a lot of people just uh, put more effort into kicking better and stronger and more efficiently. But yeah. Never really set out that path where they're where they're headed. Yep. Yeah. And I think, you know, there's there's a lot of just everyday life things that are gonna change in the coming year, in the coming decade. Uh, and and we wanna make time for all of those, whether it's family, friends, mm -hmm. um, and making sure that they're priorities rather than just, you know, passive parts of our lives. And in order to do that, we need to plan better. We need to be intentional. We need to make sure that they have a definite point on our priority list. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I, I, I read a lot of audiobooks, um, listen to podcasts, all of those things. And the, the one piece of information that I always take away from productive people is creating really clear uh, to do action steps towards getting to that goal. And whether that's starting every single day, writing down your goals for that day, making mm. sure you accomplish them, um, that lead to your bigger either monthly or yearly goal, um, that helps you stay productive throughout the day rather than just mm. like not having that kind of clarity. So what are some of the things you're trying to be more intentional about this year? So this is our very first journey into broadcast world. Uh, we started a project last year and the development of it, uh, working with a TV partner, working with creative partners to build a regular 
13-episode show uh, for TV distribution. Um, and that's something way outside the comfort zone. It's uh, not even something we've talked very much about because it's, it's foreign. Um, creating 22-minute 22 22 episodics is so much different than creating even one 10-minute piece. Oh, yeah. That was a learning process. Yeah. Just a couple of episodes we shot. Oh, and, my gosh. And in order to, to keep that consistent along with all of the client work that we're doing mm-hmm. and try to stay consistent with a podcast and YouTube and any other, you know, things that we have going on internally, if we don't stay intentional about those those specific tasks that get us to the next milestones, uh, we're just going to keep having these to-dos. And I, I think that we will fail. Oh, yeah. In, yeah, in the, AL, the AL program was a great, like, lesson. It's like... You have all of these things that sound really great, and it's like, oh, man, we could make this show like this or like that and spend all of this and spend all of that. But at the end of the day, it's how much time do you actually have? How much resources do you actually have? And and it's you have to be able to fit them in and taking a dose of reality with all of these steps. I think that was a huge learning lesson. It's like we can't spend a week pre-producing one episode. We need to like figure out how to streamline all of this, and yep. I think that really applies to a lot of things in life. You know? Yeah, and and learning to batch process so that it's not just doing thirteen unique mini documentaries throughout the year because we can't we don't have the bandwidth for something like right, that. Right. But if we can batch some of those processes, so we're not duplicating trips to an outer island. Or, or going back out for another two and a half hour, or, you know, drive just mm-hmm. to get to the same place, it, it makes sense to try to consolidate those efforts and be more intentional with our time. So tell me, for me, you know, I got into this because I wanted to be an artist, mm-hmm. you know, in a sense. But uh, with the TV show and just the amount of work we have to do, there's this like struggle between being an artist and doing as much as you possibly can yep. and just the demand for content. They just want more and more content. And I mean, 13 episodes at 22 minutes, just just more content than we do in a year mm-hmm. just for this one project. And so yep. it really like caught the attention like, hey, we have to figure out what is this balance that we're trying to do. And that was kind of a struggle for me. What mm-hmm. about you? Yeah, I mean, there's part of me that still is waiting to fail. Not not because I want to be negative about it, right. but but knowing just our own human limitations and what we do creatively, I'm just like, man, I, I don't know how this is going to happen, but by bringing on the right team of help and experts, um, I think I think that we can make it happen. But it's coming at it with a more pragmatic approach. Yeah. Uh, thinking yeah. this through, knowing that these episodes are for a particular audience, particular mm-hmm. demographic, particular time of day, all of those types of things. Um, it helps us to, to be more thoughtful about mm-hmm. what we're making and knowing that it's actually not necessarily geared towards the audiences that we craft the other things for. Right, 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 right. That's a big part of it for me personally. The art can only... Uh take you so far yeah at the end of the day yeah we have to figure out what we're trying to say who are the experts we need in there get the right information points and do it all in a fraction of the time yep we do any other project yeah and i think you know the other part of this is realizing that news stations do this at scale 365 days a year yeah 
I mean, they're not fulfilling 22-minute episodes. They're doing 24 hours of programming every single day. Right, 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 right. So we know it's possible, um, but it's learning our own process and how to make that work for the other workflow items that we have going on. Yeah, that was a huge learning process yeah. for me, too. It's like I have all of this information, and what we always do so well is we let our talent, our client, the person in the video tell that story, mm. and then we kind of make it better than they could have told it. But uh, we just we don't have the time <laughs> to, yeah. to let that happen. And yep. so I think, you know, before I started on the TV show, I would look at a lot of broadcast stuff and be like, why is there so much voiceover? Why is it like mm. this? Why is it like that? And not, now, I, now yeah. I realize why. Because you, you have to be the one to tell the story. Mm-hmm. And, and then you bring in these experts to help it come out. But the, it's like this this puzzle how do we make it consistently good but quick and streamlined and efficient and mm-hmm. there's all these other tools that i we haven't used a lot because we're trying to create art mm-hmm. and so now bringing in these new tools anyways that's just been really interesting yeah. for me and and for me starting my career in the world of 30 second storytelling through tv commercials limited short <laughs> you know windows to tell impactful stories about brands and, mm-hmm. and products and stretching that out to over 30 minute segment. It's, it's super freeing and liberating, but at the same time, having so much time to develop these stories sometimes can lead to almost a, a fatigue mm-hmm. um, in producing so much and, and overproducing and overthinking and all of that stuff too. Yeah. 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 And I think that's, it's like dialing a lot of that back mm. and, Saying it's not necessarily the visuals and the graphics and the super fast, cool edit, but what is the information that we need to deliver? Mm-hmm. And really focusing on this much deeper story, I think. And so it's just this huge shift in yep. just the way we think about storytelling and yeah. the audience and how they're going to watch it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and going through just my own human behavior and looking like very. Um, intentionally at what I actually watch uh, on my own free time. When I have the freedom and the time to just veg and watch something, um, whether it's something like a documentary or a TV show or a YouTube video or uh, even Netflix, when I, when I actually take a, take a quick look, um, an introspective look at what I want to consume, um, I'm actually not thinking about cinematography. Mm-hmm. I'm not thinking about those. And there are some amazing films, amazing docs shot, just absolutely uh, way, way better than I could ever do it mm. and fall flat in, in a story. Um, and, and some things are just a matter of taste. Some things are a matter of just uh, story not being interesting to me. Mm-hmm. But I think the first thing as artists, as, as cinematographers, as directors that we look at is just the aesthetic of everything. We spend so much time trying to develop a look or a style or a feel when that's actually just the veneer. Mm-hmm. Like that's just a polish on the story. But it gets so much time and so much accolade that we want that part to be, you know, take take precedent mm-hmm. over story. Mm-hmm. But as we dive deeper into the show, as we dive deeper in some of these micro docs we're doing, we see how important developing story first is. Right. Um, right. even some of the, some of the work that we've been presented recently 
saying that how beautifully it was shot, yet how off brand it was. <laughs> right. Because um, the story was all over the place. The story was all over the place. Yeah. And and as beautiful as as impactful as certain visuals can be, it actually can't carry you through, you know, three minutes, mm-hmm. let alone thirty. Mm-hmm. So also understanding the relationship between that art and the writing. Right. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, I remember when I first started working with you, uh, I thought it was going to be all of these cool visuals <clears throat> and planning all of these storyboard things. And uh, it's amazing how not little goes into that because a lot of thought does go into that process. But it's all based on how is this serving the story? How is it serving the story? What kind of lens are we using? Because it matches the kind of story we're telling what kind of camera, what kind of situation, what kind of wardrobe, what kind of hairstyle. Everything is just really thought out. And so all of these visual components all reflect the storyline that we're trying to tell, especially when you're doing a 30-second or 60-second. You don't have time to put in a lot of voiceover. It has to be, like, like uh, represented in the visuals. And so it's just interesting. Like, it's not just how pretty this looks, but... Does it look right for what we're trying to say? And yeah. sometimes uh, the intentionality gets put into how cool can it look, I yeah. think, uh, versus does this look right? Yeah. yeah. And so for me, that was a big learning process getting here, and especially with this TV show. Mm. It's all story. I mean, we're shooting we're shooting at like pig farms and stuff, you know, but somehow the 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 segments look pretty dang good. Mm. They flow pretty well, so been interesting trying to apply all of these things we've been learning into this much larger process yeah yeah um and i think just in general a lot of people want to call themselves storytellers Hmm. um but they spend a lot of their their time uh developing an aesthetic rather than reading books right um, and I feel like that's where I've actually learned a lot more is actually just reading and writing and and thinking through um, what I want to say mm-hmm. more than just shooting stuff. Um, shooting stuff is actually a real quick way to have just overshot everything mm. while really missing the key points. Right. right. We've done that. Uh, we've I've done, done that, that many, many times. Um, <laughs> you come back with hours and hours of raw red footage only to realize you missed the one key element that right. was needed to, to crystallize that story. And it's because you didn't think through the story before you got to location. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. And, and finding some of these things out, I mean, even, you know, 20 years into this industry myself, has um, been, like, so helpful in how we develop stuff, uh, whether mm. it's our own internal YouTube stuff or bigger brand content for clients coming back to the fundamentals of storytelling, mm-hmm. which are the actual story itself. Right, right, right. Nailing right. that and then going out. Yeah, that's why I think, you know, the DP, director relationship, or a lot of times, especially on these smaller sets, it's DP director is one dude. So DP is the director of photography. That's the person that his whole job is controlling the look, the camera work, you know. And then you have the director who is minding the story, but so, a lot of times it's the same person, and so that's why I especially like being like a like an AD on set. I like having the script in my hand and kind of helping to make sure that the story points come come out. But 
Yeah, it's super easy because I, I'm super guilty of it. When I first came on, I just used to like going out and taking a lot of portraits and landscapes and pretty pictures. And then I realized this isn't making my edits any better. You know, like you can compose something as nicely as you want, but it's not a video. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's what I I really like about video. It's it's not just the comp like it's not just the one image. It's these compilations of images and music and voiceover and sound effects and you're trying to create moods and move people emotionally and that, that was a huge learning lesson i think last year i started really getting that like i need to focus on the mood and the storyline the up and down of it much more than just the visuals and making sure we have the right visuals and they have to look great they have to look nice well composed and all of that but that's not really the most important part, you know. So that was a big that was a big lesson for me. Yeah. yeah. And and you have training from the Leeward Community College TV production program. Right. So you have a much more formal like training of like acts and story and like what actually Somewhat. it's not not as formal as like um if you went to a, a film school cuz it was a I went to a technical program yeah. and it was like broadcast, but we we did have uh, a couple of script writing classes, and um, they, they were basically trying to teach us how to be like little mini directors. But I don't know if it's quite as formal in that sense as like uh, if you went to UH Manoa, Academy of Creative Media, right, mm -hmm. right, and it took like film history and yeah. and all of that. But yeah, yeah, we did break down a lot of that. Yeah. yeah. Because I, I see that you, you actually implement some of those fundamentals of storytelling of how many acts you need to have and how many um, rises and falls of climax and, you know. Mm -hmm. But you've utilized that in your writing. Right. Uh, throughout yeah. these last couple of years specifically. How, how does some of that traditional uh, education helped you? or? Well, you know, I think... Um it's interesting, you know, you, you hear the idea of the, the three-act play, and then you, I, 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 I consume a lot of different kind of content. And, um, and so a lot of the content that I find are really good have a certain kind of pattern to them, and every story is different. But um, even if you look at, like, movies like Lord of the Rings, mm -hmm. um, but everything has this pattern, and so... What I like to do is I like to make routines and I like to make patterns that lead to success, you know. Um, and so what I found with, uh, with storytelling, no matter what kind of story it is, it, it, it's, it's as old as time, but you leave with the hook and then you present the problem and then you present the dream of the solution and then you present the solution at the end, you know, and then you kind of wrap it all up afterwards. But um, if you take almost any breakdown, that's basically it. You think of Frodo, you know, you end up exploring the Shire. And then there's a problem. There's a ring, and he doesn't want to do it. And then there's a lot of problems. And then he has the dream of the solution, which is going to the forest, the, the elf, uh, House of Elrond, you know. And then they get there, and then there's the solution. They create the fellowship, and then they're going off, you know. And so if you look at any news story that's really good, any documentary story that's really good, 
um, they usually follow a very similar pattern. And the, the number of ups and downs people disagree about, but basically that's kind of how we're, we're wired to look at things. Um, I think that's why like uh, they say like sex sells. That's their hook, you know, it's the girl in the bikini with the Coke bottle, you know. And then it'll make you stop and see what's going on. Then you start to read the print. And even, it was really interesting. I like looking at posters and I like looking at, um, like when I go to stores, uh, I like looking at the, the posters that they put up and how they're presented to make you, to draw you in and what is the story that they're trying to tell you. But like humans are hotwired to want to listen to stories and they want to hear it in a certain kind of way. And so... That's what was interesting. It's not just looking at film history and analyzing scripts for like, oh, let's write a movie. But how are we built to to want... Like, there's a reason that it's been done like that for hundreds of years. It's because that's how our brain works, you know? Yeah. And hot-wiring that, I think, is pretty powerful. <laughs> yeah. Pretty powerful tool to have. And even within the TV show narrative that we're building... Um, looking at some of the the little micro docs that we've produced, right um, now trying to even infuse some of those basic patterns into what we're doing um, of traditional filmmaking formats um, has actually helped us write better. Oh yeah, a and it's it's all a part of being more intentional, all a part of um, planning planning and writing better before we actually head out to to set. And it's it's actually condensed the amount of production that we need to do. Right. So in thinking right. through how to best utilize our time that we have, mm -hmm. because when you're on location and you've got a set full of, of people, cast and crew, clients um, sitting there as well, you got to make sure that every minute like, right. is, is highly meaningful. Um, you can't just sit there eating chips all day uh, waiting for things to happen or waiting for somebody to say something magical. Oh, yeah. you got to pre-plan all that stuff. So yeah. it, it, it makes the most of every minute. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so it'll be an interesting year um, as we develop these, these things even further. So anything outside of the TV show that you're trying to commit to? You know, I, I really enjoy teaching. Mm. It's, it's something that I've had a passion for for a while, even when I was living in L.A., um, I, I knew that when I, when, I, when I moved home, finally, I would want to teach in some capacity. Uh, I even thought about going back to my alma mater at Mililani High School and teaching some kind of production course. Haven't, haven't really made that transition yet, <laughs> but um, I love the ability to share what we've, what we've learned, whether it's on location or just in life with people. So this podcasts, YouTube videos, Instagram stuff. It really isn't trying to build like influence mm. in, in kind of the, the contemporary version of that word, but more to just kind of share what's going on. And if that can help somebody along their own journey, that's, that's the goal right, of what right, I want right. to develop with any of this stuff that we're doing. Consistently putting out more content isn't just to try to win the, the algorithm mm. over, but it's to actually help other people in a greater capacity. Um, and I know that I've been blessed with tremendous opportunities that many people will never have to be able to edit, you know, Super Bowl spots, mm -hmm. work with A-list talent on projects, be able to start a company in one of the hardest states in the country 
right. to build something in and right. have have some amazing clientele um, that is faithful and amazing to work with. Like those are just not opportunities that everybody has. Right. And so if I can share some of that experience, um, that's that's my heart's desire. Mm -hmm. And I think that all of these different platforms offer us those tools and the ability to do that. That's yeah. what I want to do in 2020 and, and beyond is develop that further. Yeah, that's pretty cool. You know, I think, I think when I first started working for you, or I think when a lot of people look at your success, <laughs> at least I did, I was like, he probably worked for the right guys and got lucky in some way or something. But the longer I worked for you, it's actually like a lot of skill sets that you've cultivated. It's like planting seeds and how do you speak on the telephone and emailing. And it's simple common sense kind of things. But un unless it's developed into a discipline, mm -hmm. uh, it's really easy to let things. And you can just forget to rent return one telephone call and you'll never talk to that client ever again. And and, and so that's pretty that's pretty cool. So here's a warning for any of you that email. He will answer your question, okay? But get ready for the answer because he's going to give you the full answer. <laughs> and it's a lot, but uh, yeah. Yeah, you definitely have that, that teaching element in you. I think uh, you've been called a pastor or uh, you remind me of a pastor in many ways. Yeah, mm -hmm. so I think that's pretty interesting. Well, I'm excited to see what you're coming out with. Anything on the home front that you're trying to... I'm trying to connect with my friends, man. Yeah. Because I've been just working a lot and trying to do a lot of stuff at home with the language stuff. Um, I feel like I'm at the point where if I don't see my friends very often, we could kind of just start to drift away a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you know, to be honest, um, one of the biggest reasons I moved home back at the end of 2006 uh, was to spend time with my grandfather. Hmm. Um, and at, at that time, he was one of my favorite people to go golf with. And, you know, living in LA, I, I got home maybe once or twice a year. And I thought I need to get home sooner uh, because I want to be able to go play golf with him while I can still play golf. Hmm. And little things like that. I want to be able to go fishing with him and spend time, um, not just with him, but with my grandparents. And eventually my, my parents, as they started aging, and it's it's been an interesting few years of seeing you know family pass away and with that you realize just how not just short life is but how you have to make moments happen mm -hmm. um i, I moved yeah. home and i didn't do as much fishing with grandpa or golfing with grandpa and he passed away a few years ago which is a huge devastating blow to my family I mean, I did get to golf with him, but now, you know, I see my dad even starting to age. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, man, I I have to make more of an effort to go see him and be a part of his life. My mom went through some of her own struggles and just seeing it's it's not trying to be super melancholy right. with the ideas, but actually taking some of those life lessons and being proactive about investing in the relationships that mean so much to me. Right. The right, reason right. I moved home was to spend time with them, like go spend time with them, not just right. on birthdays or Christmas or yeah. holidays, but just make that a daily priority for mm. myself. So that's that's my personal goal is to just go in and be with the people I love mm -hmm. um, in meaningful ways. Yeah, I feel I feel like uh, 
we make these resolutions and we think it's just going to happen. Yeah. But like my, my wife told me this. It says, you don't have a close family by hoping it happens. Yeah. <laughs> it takes effort and time and they're irritating and it's hot sometimes yeah. and you have to go and deal with their business and it's messy. Yeah. And it's not like this, hey, let's put on our snow caps and sit around singing Christmas tunes. But like, you're going to have to help mom pack up her stuff and clean her house. And mm. those are some of the things. So that's some of the things I'm trying to do. I was like, I want to get more in touch with my parents, but they don't like doing anything. <laughs> you know, they don't want to go beach. They don't want to go movie. They don't want to sit at home. So I said, okay, I'll just clean up your house. Mm. So I go there every week and I clean up for a few hours. And yeah, it's been, I, I've, I've been really liking it. But yeah, it'll be interesting. See what you come up with. Yeah. And obviously making sure that get a lot of wife time in there because she supports everything that I do with this company, which takes so much of my time and making sure that I re reinvest that in our family. Mm. Um, it's easy to, to think of money that comes into the business as staying in the business time, you know, making all of this extra content goes straight back to the business, but making sure that the one person who supports me more than anybody else reap some of the benefits mm, 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 of time mm, mm. and of um, effort and importance um, so it doesn't just feel like I'm just trying to build this company and you know f get all these this followers this is the Brad and, show yeah um, and you're just along for the ride yeah I mean it, it can quickly become that and you see marriages fall apart because of that oh yeah uh, and so making sure that that remains a priority for the rest of our life is a key um, indicator of success of this business. Mm. Uh, so making sure that that is paramount in all that we do. Right, ha the, the happiness index rather than yeah. the money index. Huh? Yeah. yeah, that's pretty cool, it's pretty yeah. cool. But I mean, I think that's that's a pretty good outlook on what's, what's happening in 2020. Um, trying to stay consistent, trying to stay intentional with all the things that we do, all the mm -hmm. things that we say that we're gonna do. Right. Um, and making these action steps to getting towards those goals. Yeah. Um, realistic steps. <laughs> realistic steps are important to actually hitting them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm excited. I'm super duper excited. There's this whole debate online about whether or not this is a new decade or not. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I was thinking about that. Is, doesn't a new decade start next year? In, in 2021. Because this is the end of... I yeah. don't know. I yeah, don't dude. Know. Um, Doc Rock is is talking all about that, how this is not the end of the decade. <laughs> and you see a lot of stuff going on on Facebook and Twitter about that stuff. Oh, Lord. But, hey, man, it's it's a new decade to me. Yeah. 2020. Right, yeah, yeah. That, the numbers are different. Enough. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, what I what I realized this morning when I woke up, it doesn't feel any different. Nope. Just just because the number changes, it doesn't mean you're going to work any harder. It doesn't mean you're going to eat any better or do right. any more exercises. Right. You got to be as persistent, and even more so now, um, because we've we've made these resolutions. We've, right. We said we're going to do stuff, and yeah, the, the number doesn't matter. Yeah, the number doesn't matter. <laughs> but we use it as a nice marker to to just give a clean start and a right. clean finish. Right. 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 Yeah, I think it's important to to note. You're not a new person <laughs> just because the numbers change. Yeah. But you're the same person, so can you make these small changes? You know, it's really interesting. Like, uh, if you turn a boat, 
just a few degrees in the open water, hmm. it'll land. <laughs> it could land on a different continent by the time it gets to its destination. Hmm. And so, I think it's not a different boat just because it's a new year. Yep. But if you can just move it a few degrees and stick on that path for yep. the rest of the year, yeah, I think you can make some pretty big changes. I'm pretty excited for that. You know. There you go. That's a that's a good way to wrap up this first episode of this new podcast. Sweet. So that wraps it up for this inaugural episode of the B-Rad podcast in 2020. I hope that was helpful or meaningful for you. Um, and if you enjoyed it, make sure you leave us a comment uh, and, and connect with us on social media. And make sure you go follow this guy, Mauna Burgess, at Mauna Shoot Stuff on Instagram, on Instagram and Mama Burgess on Facebook, and that's about all the places I'm at. That's that's probably enough. Um, that's all we that's got enough time for Mama anyway. that I think anyone can <laughs> endure. And he's got some awesome Instagram stories, especially when we go travel. Oh yeah, they're they're pretty fun. Love to eat. <laughs> so if you like food, follow me. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And we will catch you on the next one. Aloha.